What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Masters of Community podcast. My name is David Spinks, founder of CMX and VP of Community at Bevy. Each week, I bring you an expert who will help you take your community to the next level. Thank you so much for joining me. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. I just want to give you a quick heads up that my new book, The Business of Belonging, How to Make Community Your Competitive Advantage, is now available anywhere where you can buy books on Amazon and any bookstore. It is the complete collection of everything I've learned from the last 13 years and how to build community for your business and all of the frameworks and models that the CMX team has developed to teach businesses how to do this work. It's all in here. I really appreciate all your support. You can go and order it now. All right, let's get started. I'm going to do a little quick round of intros and then we can start the panel. Cooper Turley, Koopa Troopa, is the co-founder of Friends with Benefits. Cooper shaping the creator economy as an operator at FWB, a venture partner at Variant and advisor to Audius. And we also have with us today, Tiffany Zong, who is the CEO at Islands. She's building a technology company that builds economic infrastructure for the community economy. That sounds exciting. And of course, we've got our very own David Spinks. We all know him and love him. He's the co-founder of CMX, and we owe this event to him as his newest obsession is Web 3.0. All right, you all, take it away. And Maria is crushing it with the intros. Everybody, what's up, Cooper? What's up, Tiffany? Very excited to chat. Do people say GM out loud, or is it more of a text-only kind of greeting? You can say it out loud. I think it goes both ways. <laughs> I say it out loud. All right, we're we're safe. Emery, you're safe. We could say it out loud as much as we want. Very excited. Tiffany, you and I go way back to Web 2 days, which just feels like a complete lifetime ago, but like early Web 2 days, back in your Zebra IQ days. And Cooper, you and I only recently connected and been following you and your work online and everything you've been writing about and all your tweets for a while now. So I have like a thousand questions. We have 35 minutes. So why don't we just dive in? How's that sound? Do it. Sounds great. David, did we not meet during product hunt days? Even before you You're Zoom right. Days? Oh, geez. See? I, we I, go way back. That's early product hunt days, like the earliest. So 2015. Uh, it's I love when relationships like that start super early and then you just keep running into each other in different and different stages in your career. And wow, is this a different stage for all of us? Web3. Cooper, what were you doing before Web3 real quick? Tiffany was working with Product Hunt and a lot of online communities. Were you in the community world too? I was doing community work in the music world. So I was doing event promotion. I was doing journalism. I was doing artist management and a lot of curation. So I worked very early on for this blog called This Song is Sick. It was basically discovering music very early on in its life cycle and helping to spread it to the masses. Love it. Cool. So like still community related and then obviously aligns very closely with Web3 and its focus on creators and art. So very cool. Let's dive in. I mean, like, first off, we just got a really great presentation from Emma that provided a lot of the kind of base definitions of crypto and Web3 and, and what a lot of the acronyms and words mean. I'm curious to really center this discussion on the community aspect of Web3.0. How does it apply to the world of communities? Everyone who is here is building a community and wants to understand how to bring Web3.0 into their community or get more involved. So let's just start there. When we talk about building community in Web3, what do we actually mean? Like, where does community fit into Web3? 
And is it different to build community for NFTs, non-fungible token projects, where it's big art projects or big kind of drops of some sort of creation versus DeFi versus DAOs? Like, does community look the same across all these or are they actually quite different? A first stab at that one. So I think the word community to me means sharing value with those who create it. It's very different from the products you've seen in the past where you're basically monetizing on the back of your users. I think with Web3, the difference here is you're trying to share value with those who create it in the form of tokens and ownership. So when you think about designing communities for these different verticals, whether that's NFTs, DeFi, or DAOs, they're all very different archetypes. For the NFT community, I would say that access is probably most important. So finding ways to give people access to different events and community spaces that they can interact with one another is fundamentally different than DeFi protocols where governance is really important. I think that there are elements of governance with access, but I think users of DeFi communities are much more passionate about on-chain governance, directing cash flows to a treasury, making technical upgrades. And those discussions are fundamentally different from what you see with a lot of these PFP and profile picture projects. And so I think at its core, there's this shared vertical of saying, if I create value for any community product or service, I should be able to capture some of that as the one who helped do that. But I think the way that that actually takes form is very different relative to what the project is focusing on. Got it. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to pause and define things that come up that I've only recently learned, which means some people may only be learning about it now. So PFP as profile picture. And so a lot of the NFTs that you see like Bored Apes or basically anything that's like the cartoon version of a profile picture that you see people using, that's one form of kind of these NFT projects. And it's probably the most popular one right now where people buy the NFTs and then they use them as their profile pictures which has a lot of community dynamics to it and is really interesting. But so yeah, so it makes sense. So DeFi and DAOs, where there tends to be a lot more of like governance structure, which is really interesting from a community standpoint of how do you motivate people to vote? How do you motivate people to co-create in that community to take a very active role? And you're basically building a business or a system together. NFTs sometimes also have that, right? Sometimes buying the NFT gets you access to like the DAO and you're involved in that level. But also a lot of the time, NFTs are really like you're buying into a community by owning the NFT, and that gets you access to events, experiences, connections, new drops, things like that. Good summary? Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think most of these projects do evolve over time. So you'll kind of see these projects start from a level of access where there's not a lot to be done on a governance standpoint. What I think you see happening is as these projects become more successful and there's more at stake, governance becomes more front and center. So on day one, you might just buy a PFP and simply just have it as your Twitter profile picture. You know, There's no intent to be able to use that as utility or to be able to use that for governance. But over time, as these projects evolve and these projects start generating revenue, they have a treasury that's basically capturing all the income that they make. There's more of an intention for community members to participate in how those funds are used. And I think at that point in time, you see this transition from a vague amount of assets that are kind of circulating on a marketplace like OpenSea to there actually being token-gated discords, there being governance forums on Snapshot, and ways to really formalize those assets and use them in more productive ways than when they originally start out. Hmm. And Tiffany, I mean, you and I go way back in the Web2 world of community building and product hunt and how brands have been building community for a long time. What have you observed that's different in terms of the dynamics or the culture or the type of communities from Web 2.0 to Web 3.0? I think similar to what Cooper said, it's really about aligned incentives across the board from both the creators, per se, of the community, but also the community members, right? So back in the day, Web2 communities, you don't have the community feeling like they have shared ownership over what is happening, whether it's how the money is being spent, 
whether what is on the roadmap, what features, products, whatever is being developed from the treasury within the community. How are you coming together with a shared goal where everyone kind of grows together and all ties kind of rise together as a result, as opposed to just one person or one group capturing all the value, which is how it used to be back in the day, right? Even all of these communities we used to run, it was very centralized. And we kind of set the terms on like, what are the guidelines? What are the rules? All of that, right? The community doesn't really have a say. Yes, they can rally and say like, hey, we don't like this, but they don't own a real stake within the community. And so Mm. that's the difference between Web 2 and Web 3. And really why we're building for the community economy, because when you think about the creator economy, which I've spent a lot of time with creators, helping them think through their business and tech side of things and how they can identify their super fans and build a community and bi-directional relationship with their fans as opposed to just one direction where they're telling their fans something and their shelf life is gone after two years because it's not a real community. When you think about the creator economy and the ownership economy, all of these things are powered by ultimately the community. There is no creator economy or ownership economy without the community economy. And we're actually putting together this really interesting piece going through all of the different phases of communities given Web 1, Web 2, Web 3, tied to Community 1.0, Community 2.0, Community 3.0. We'll need your we'll need your guys' take on it and feedback. But it's really just showing that like the community has evolved so much and now everyone captures captures upside and value together. And it's not just the creator anymore. And community members can come together to push an initiative forward and actually grow the GDP of the community, really, instead mm-hmm. of just the founders doing that, right? I mean, we've seen this recently with the Constitution DAO, which I know Cooper is heavily involved in and can jump into. Um, of course, Cooper is heavily involved that. in it. It's a DAO. <laughs> it's really, really interesting where we're seeing people come together in, in the matter of days to raise over $3 million and rising to buy the Constitution. Like, literally... Like when you step back and think about it, it's insane. But this is what the internet and Web3 allows you to do. People coming together with a shared goal, shared interest. Now, Mm. how can they take that to the next level? Mm. And just to clarify, they're buying a copy of the the original constitution, which is really cool. They they won't actually like rule the country. They won't like buy the constitution and edit it. But it's a really interesting example. And one thing we talked about, I was just talking about it in the last, section is like that exactly what you were touching on that shift in ownership and how companies think about distributing ownership and you said that like before in web 2.0 people didn't feel like they had ownership and i would actually say like i think people did feel like they had ownership but they just literally didn't have ownership right so if we look at how web 2.0 have been building communities and the work that you and i have done and cooper did in the music industry for many many years whether it's fan bases or customers or SaaS customers or Uber drivers, we build communities to give them a sense of feeling of ownership, like your voice is heard, you're part of this, you're included. But at the end of the day, when you look at who's actually generating wealth and who actually has final say in decision-making power, that still rested on the centralized company, not on the community. So it's taking that promise of Web 2.0 of like, we're all building this together and actually putting an infrastructure behind it, which is what clicked for me and first started making me really excited about Web 3.0. And so I'm curious, so like Constitution DAO is an interesting one. 
to me, that's still a little bit like Mimi and Cooper. Maybe you can even say where that turns from like, cool, we're buying a constitution. This is exciting into like a DAO that's doing something compelling and valuable. I was curious to hear from maybe each of you, like one or two of your favorite examples of Web3 projects that are doing a really great job of building community right now to kind of paint a more vivid picture for everyone here of like, what does this look like in practice? And I'll definitely be a little biased here because I'm heavily involved in it. But the community that I started called Friends with Bets has been a fantastic example for this. For those who aren't aware, it's a token-gated community where you need to hold tokens to join a social club that talks about the intersection of culture and technology. When this started, we basically wanted to offer a home for people to come and ask questions about using Web3, the future of Web3, what are NFTs, how do I set up a MetaMask wallet, how do I buy something on OpenSea, how do I trade on Uniswap? And for a lot of people, this was a very daunting subject and space to navigate. And so creating a space where you could come online and meet people and feel like you had shared skin in the game, it created this really interesting dynamic where it was no longer just a group chat that you're in with your friends. You actually had an asset represented by this token that kind of allowed you to share an upside in the growth of that community itself. And so what started as something to join for only $20 has blossomed into a community of two to 3,000 people who are all coming together from very different pockets around the world, having IRL events, having digital events, learning and sharing experience and culture together. And I think that that is one practical example where what starts out as a fun meme and a fun hobby can evolve into something very functional and very self-sustainable. This started out as a group chat where people were just saying GM in it. So now there's product teams, there's a newsletter team, we have events teams, curation committees, and really all of these amazing pockets where people are coming together and working full-time on creating internet products to service that community itself. And I think what you start to notice is when you create these assets that represent ownership in communities... People are much more motivated to go to bat for those communities because they know that they have shared upside in it. And to your point about not having ownership, I think the biggest unlock here was the advent of tokens and the reason that anyone could go and create a token out of thin air. It allowed people to really rethink the way that we thought about internet communities and the way that we value them. So that instead of there being social capital on the line, there's now secondary markets and there's a way to ascribe a tangible value to these internet pockets that you're spending time in. And I think that principle applied to all of these different Web3 communities allows us to think about investing in culture in a very different way. And I believe that's why we're seeing so much interest and demand in the space right now because people are really fascinated by that topic and that idea. I love that. And FWB is super interesting. So I don't know if you knew this, I joined a few weeks ago. So I'm officially a friend with benefits. And I just shared online my experience of going to the first meetup. I've actually met up with people just randomly from FWB already. Like in the first day, someone messaged me and was like, Hey, I'm going to be in San Francisco. Do you want to meet up? Which to me was like, okay, that's a good sign of a healthy community of members are organically reaching out to do that. Um, but I went to a meetup. And the one thing that really stood out to me is looking at the focus of the conversation at that event compared to other tech or community events I've been to is usually you go to tech and community events and you're talking about the industry, you're talking about what you're working on, you're looking for collaboration, but you're not really talking about the community itself, right? Whether it's CMX or Startup Grind or any community, you're not like getting together be like, how do we improve this community? You're looking at like, what can the community do for me? And at this FWB meetup, I'd say the majority of the conversation all revolved around like, what are the challenges that FWB is facing? How do we improve governance? Who's getting involved in different things? What are the biggest challenges that the community has that, that we can all work on? And I was like, wow, that, that feels very different. Like everyone here was as interested, if not more interested about the community itself beyond like what the community even 
was like trying to bring to them, but beyond the benefits, it was like literally the community itself. And I want to come back to that when we talk about some of the challenges of communities. But Tiffany, what are some great examples that you've seen? And I'm also curious if either of you have seen good examples of Web 2.0 companies authentically kind of shifting their focus. So the people here are building community, like, can they do this or do they need to just kind of like start from scratch? I would say the two communities that are top of mind for me who do a great job building community are SWB, like Cooper said, on the token side. And then on the NFT side would be like the Board Ape Yacht Club. Given all of their both IRL activations, but all of the digital NFTs and airdrops and things like that, that they're really thinking about and doing for the community is also really crucial. It's called Board Ape Yacht Club, and they literally threw a yacht party in New York City during NFT in New York City a couple weeks ago. And so anyone who owned an ape was able to go to this party. And they literally took money from the treasury to invest into these in-person events. I think they threw like five different events that week, really just for the community, pulling all of these things together so that people in New York would have, or people would fly to New York even just to attend these board ape events. Like nothing else on their schedule, just like, I'm an owner of an ape and this is the value I'm getting from owning an ape. And it's really just about bringing these both in-person and online interactions together, which I know FWB does a lot as well across kind of the world with the events that FWB does from Paris to LA to all over New York, etc. So it's really cool to kind of see all of the different new community events, use cases, things that you can do now especially with a massive treasury. It's like, mm. how do we reinvest back into the community? Right? Web 2, brands would say, cool, this is now our revenue. Or creators would say, cool, this is now my profit and I'm going to go buy a Lambo with it. Right? It's not, how do I share the Lambo with the entire community? That's the shift, actually, when you think Web 2 to Web 3. This is our Lambo versus this is my Lambo. <laughs> to put it very simply, in the most Miami terms possible. <laughs> That's very Miami terms. Well, so to touch on that, there are people who have gotten very wealthy through crypto and bought themselves a nice Lambo that is their Lambo. They're not sharing it with anybody, right? And this aligns with my next question, which I'm seeing a few people ask about it. Maddie Fairchild asked here in the uh, Q&A as well. I'm seeing a couple questions about like access to these communities. And there's definitely a narrative in Web3 about providing access to everyone, bringing banks to the bank list, making sure things are accessible, everyone can contribute, everyone can co-own. And yet we kind of see this trend where the most successful communities also become the most inaccessible. FWB, it cost me $8,000 to join, right? And like I'm privileged to be in a position where I was able to do that to buy the tokens, right? I'm not paying to join, I'm paying to buy the tokens to be able to have access. You know, apes are going for millions of dollars to be able to join that community. So I see that as one of the core challenges when we talk about building meaningful, authentic communities in Web3. How do we prevent them from becoming kind of social clubs that are highly inaccessible if you're not an early adopter? How are both of you thinking about navigating that challenge? Really good question. I would say it's definitely the biggest problem with a lot of these social clubs today. And so I don't think anyone's found out a solution for it. I think that it's less about preventing exclusivity and more about reducing barriers to entry. 
And so as these communities start to scale, I think that you notice there are pockets and different sectors of them that feel very valuable to members. And so rather than only offering all-in access to everything in that community, you can start to fragment different sections of it and lower the barriers to entry. So for FWB, we now have a local tier, which is five tokens. This offers you access to all of our IRL events in either LA, New York, or London. And it also offers access to our digital events. So things like our town halls, things like our coffee time meetups, social token talk. And so there are ways to allow people to get involved at lower levels. And I think for these communities, as you start to grow and succeed, it's not about lowering that all-in access point. I think it's about fighting the areas that people are really passionate about and breaking off different sub-DAOs and sections that people can get involved in a meaningful way without having to spend significant amounts of capital to get involved. But I think to your point, it is definitely the biggest area that we as a community are working through. And I think over time, you're going to start to notice that this season model that we see now in Web3 communities, where there's a fixed time period around a certain community goal, is going to get a lot more accessible. What I imagine will happen here is we'll start to see NFTs acting as uh, membership passes and people being able to buy in for small time intervals, really dip their toe in the water, see if it's a good fit for them. And if they end up really liking that community, they can then upgrade into that full membership, but they don't have to go out and spend 10 to hundreds of thousands of dollars to get started in the first place. You know, They can come in for a couple hundred bucks, have an asset that's not a sunk cost that they can then resell, be able to experience that community, and hopefully if they like it, get deeper involved in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I know FWB is experimenting with kind of local chapters. So you can, for I think it's five tokens, be able to access the local SF chapter, New York City chapter, Miami chapter. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. I think that's going to be one of the biggest challenges to play out in Web3 because it's like literally the success of the community is right now directly correlated with a decreasing access to that community. And that can happen even for the sub DAOs and. One component that I think is interesting is people can essentially like work for access in a way. Like, can they contribute and earn tokens in a way that lets them be more involved in the community? But then, like, that barrier to entry is still there. How does someone even get to the point where, like, I joined FWB? I still don't really know how to contribute yet. It takes time to get a feel for it. So, that kind of accessibility is something that I'm thinking a lot about. And I think we're going to learn a lot over the next even few months, it's all developing very quickly. But hopefully in the coming years, we'll have a lot of solutions for that. Tiffany, is that one of the biggest challenges that you see in Web3? Are are there any other really big challenges that you see when it comes to community building specifically in Web3? I mean, it's still so early, right? There's a lot of growing pains as, as we've kind of seen with these entry prices or things like that, that. I mean, everyone in the community is working hard to figure out how we can lower the barrier to entry. So that we can bring more people from web two to web three, right? Like that is the ultimate goal. How can we help people get to this web three state faster than expected? And so I think an interesting point is also to highlight the fact that some of these communities are now also thinking about how you can just contribute work or volunteer work upfront and get paid in tokens. And that grants you access, right? So you don't have to go and spend hundreds or thousands of dollars to get access into a community, you can instead exchange that for labor or time or resources or help, right? So that's also going to be an interesting shift for those who really want to get into Web3. But in the meantime, like we're we're soft launching this low-key academy called GM.academy, if you go to that, to help people go from Web2 to Web3, especially for everyone who's kind of listening right now. And Community is one of the most important things in Web3, where how can we help all of you really talented community managers, community leaders, 
learn about how to take over Web3 and build in Web3 because the time is now and the opportunity is yours to take given how crucial and how highly valued it is in Web3. And maybe it's not as valued across the board in Web2, I would say, given the years of working in Web2. Like community was a, is a good to have that people are now realizing is a must-have in Web2. But in Web3, it's a must-have. Like there's nothing without the community. So. Love it. Yeah, the community is the product in Web3. It's like the question of what's the value of our community to our business that we've been dealing with for the last decade in Web2 kind of goes out the window in Web3. It's yeah, I don't see a single project asking it. Like the only questions I see these projects asking are like, how do we get more community talent in here as quickly as possible? And I'm really happy to hear how much you're focusing, Tiffany, on kind of bridging Web2 to Web3. I think like one of the biggest challenges Web3 has right now is a little bit of a cultural gap. Even things like GM, like to people in Web3 feels very inclusive. To people outside, it feels exclusive, right? Like it makes them feel like an outsider. And so hopefully, you know, we're going to be hosting more events like this to essentially provide a bridge, create beginner-friendly environments to bring people from Web2 into Web3 in a way that feels inclusive. And, and we can address some of the things like we talked about today around access that maybe is making it feel less accessible to the people who would work in this space. And so my last question, and I want to turn it quick to some of the great questions we have here in the Q&A, is for all the people here who are working in Web 2.0, what is one practical piece of advice or tip that you have for someone who's a really great community builder in Web 2.0, who wants to start getting more involved in Web 3.0 or bring their talents and start to work more in this space? Cooper, you want to go first? I would say it's very simple. Start using Discord. Discord is where most of these communities live. And I think it's a very foreign platform to most people. But if you're looking yes. to get involved with Web3, you need to learn how to navigate Discord. That's very practical and very true. And I've been working in community for over a decade and I still go to Discords. And I'm just like, oh my God, what do I do here? Is there, do you have a tip for like, is it just start joining random ones? Because I think part of the challenge is like, I started doing that. But there's so many bad discords and bad examples that like didn't really teach me how to use the product better. Where should people start if they maybe a specific community or something they can join to get their feet wet with discord? Yeah, there's a platform called Forefront that shares a lot of the social clubs we've been talking about here. I would say it's less about joining a lot of different discords and more about funding one that you come to every single day. I think your goal as someone new to discord is to find that home base where you are spending at least an hour a day. You know, what that looks like is being in a general chat, what it looks like is showing up to town halls and community events. You know, find one space that you can really call your own and learn who all the key contributors are in that community. I think the more well-versed you get in one specific community, the more you're going to start to see the fabric of how it's built. And once you start to understand that from a builder standpoint, it becomes a lot easier to use that as a template to view other discords. And at that point in time, you can quickly go from someone who feels lost in the mix, you know, kind of as a passive contributor to someone who's really seeing how these things operate and someone who's able to make meaningful impact in the communities that you interact with. Yeah, I love that. And I've been bubbling around the idea of maybe launching a, a CMX Discord as kind of a landing pad for people who want to just start learning about it together. So maybe that's a vote towards doing that. I'm just taking on more work for myself. All right, I'm getting a lot of votes here in the chat. Tiffany, what's one actionable piece of advice that you have for Web 2.0 community professionals? I would say just start spending even just 10 minutes a day in this space, it, you don't need to 
like start dedicating your whole workday or week to going full Web3 if you don't have the time. But just doing incremental kind of just growth when you think about it, you'll start understanding how the community is like, how people behave within it, kind of learning the lingo within the community to just understanding what people are saying. So spending time on quote-unquote NFT Twitter and like NFT or crypto-related discourse like Forefront, FWB, etc., Board Ape, any of the blue chip communities, you'll start learning a lot just by reading, but you'll learn 10 times more if you start engaging and asking questions. And I would say ultimately, just go in with an open mindset, but also with no ego and just ask questions. There are no dumb questions. The interesting thing and the cool thing is that everyone's learning in Web3. There's something new to be learned every single day. So don't be concerned or worried that you might look dumb in front of others because no one knows what's next, what's happening. Everyone's just living day by day and, and vibing on Discord and Twitter. And that's ultimately what makes this really fun, right? So I would say, yeah, spend a few minutes a day, get your feet wet and just start learning. And then feel free to ping me also on Twitter. Happy to help, especially if community people are trying to figure out how to get into Web3. Use me as a resource. So yeah. Love it. Love the offer to be a landing pad for people. Maybe the team can post both of your Twitter accounts here in the chat so people can follow you and find you there. And love the advice on asking the dumb questions. I feel like once I started doing that, I didn't know what GM meant for like a month before I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to ask, what is GM? And then like the response whenever I ask these questions are always super positive. Like I just posted on Twitter, what is the constitution? Like the, it was like the constitution, comma, constitution in parentheses. And like everyone loved to come and like explain it. And people who are in the community were like, cool, someone's asking about us and they wanted to help. So I will say that like my experience has been that it does feel exclusive when you're really on the outside. But as soon as you start just leading with curiosity and asking questions, it's actually a very inclusive community and loves teaching and loves welcoming new people. So just take that leap. All right. We have a few more minutes here. I'm going to Let's see if we can go through rapid fire questions. So we'll just have one of you answer each one, whoever feels inspired, and we'll go through them pretty quick. All right. So first question. And if you go in the Q&A, vote up the ones you want me to ask, because I'm going to choose the ones that have the most votes. Marcelio asks, it's easy to see how big cryptos are very strong and engaged communities. Even new DeFi projects have been very fast growing with their communities. How do you see consulting work to help create and build community at the start of a DeFi or similar project? Any tips or directions? So for someone who's looking to maybe take their community skills and start consulting with Web3 companies, what's the best way to get started? I would say just resource aggregation. I think that there's a lot of communities out there and there's a lot to be learned from what's happened in the past. I think a lot of people don't know everything that's happened before. So if you are a consultant, I think the best thing you can do is provide context on what's already happened. So rather than coming in with a clear game plan on what to do moving forward, I would spend time educating the projects you're working with on what's worked in the past and what they need to be aware of as they're moving, uh, building moving forward. Love it. All right. Awesome. Next question. Maybe this one's a good one for you, Tiffany. Alexander asks, interested to hear, what are the absolute critical priorities to think about when setting up a new community management function? So like the team and operation in a new DAO? That's a more loaded question than it seems on the surface. It's, I mean, when setting up a community management function, start with throwing together a Discord is probably the best way to do this right now. Put together Discord, have kind of the core contributors or people who are interested in being involved, join the Discord. 
and start formulating what action items and next steps are in terms of like who's handling what. I think something interesting in DAOs is there needs to be still people who are directly responsible individual or like owners of specific functions. Otherwise, it becomes very chaotic very quickly. Just like any other community, if there's no one who's like sitting, kind of helping set the ground rules of who's doing what or when things are supposed to happen by what date, that still needs to be done, especially in the early days of building this, building a DAO or community. Totally. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of companies or projects just kind of kick off the Discord and then they hire like community moderators or like junior managers, but don't really have kind of senior leadership on community for a lot of these projects. And so you have like engagement, but lack of kind of the infrastructure that goes into long-term strategic community building. So I think that's definitely going to be a room for Web3 to grow as well. And the people here are the people who can help with setting up those plans. Great. Next question. Christian asks, with an increasing amount of social interaction shifting online to the metaverse, Fortnite, things like that, what role do you think offline will have, in essence, real-world connections will play in Web3.0? This is where you celebrate community in person. So, you know, there's going to be summits and conferences happening every single year on Web3. I would say that offline is where you really build trust amongst members IRL. And so you're able to get pretty much as far along as you can online. But being able to have offsites and different events around conferences and different activations for people to come together. If you want to mature and scale as a community, you need to have local chapters for people to come together in person. Because those events are what really build those relationships and allow you to go further and deeper. And so to answer that more directly, I think that offline is where you celebrate community and where you really strengthen relationships, but online is where it really lives and where the function of it happens on a day-to-day. Love that. And I agree. So far from my experience in FWB, online's a lot of breath, a lot of content, but it was like going to that in-person event is where I really felt connected to the community. So same idea as Web 2.0, honestly. It's like breath is good online, depth good offline. Great question here from Emily. Can't you build a community that is open, transparent, and governed and owned by the community with a stewardship and ownership model like co-ops on Web 2.0? I get that Web 3.0 is on the blockchain, on an algorithm, and there's the safety component on data, but like, why not use these old models? Uh, stab at that one. Tiffany, I know it's your answer here, but I'm excited to this one. Having a token that represents shared upside in a community is extremely, extremely valuable. With co-op models, there's not a way to have tangible ownership in what's happening. You can have a profit-sharing model, but I think the notion of holding an asset that's able to increase or decrease in value relative to the growth of that community is its really, really valuable. I mean, I can't really say it another way until you've had it before, but being able to have a token that goes up a couple hundred percent with other people around you, it does something really magical for those members. And I think co-ops are fantastic, but I think what it lacks is that shared sense of, if we really do this right, it's going to be a huge wealth creation event for everyone involved here. And that sort of carrot that if it is done well, it can be a really life-changing opportunity for people. I think it's fundamentally different from the models we've seen in the past. Hmm. 100%. It it also gives people the optionality to either play long-term games or also have instant liquidity based on where they are in life, right? So that's also something that's really special. We've seen so many crazy stories of people being able to like pay off a lot of debt or whatever it is kind of that they've had in their life situations through joining DAOs or having NFTs and being early, right? Just experimenting, starting small, but that being able to grow because of the community. Love it. Yeah. So there's a lot more actual ownership investment and the liquidity is is definitely a huge one. All right. A couple questions on this theme, and I think it's a good one more. And Shannon both kind of touched on this. 
seems like a lot of Web3 projects have a few different owner groups. For example, the founder, the core team, there's sometimes venture investors, then there's like community members and owners, sometimes there's just fans who follow. And so how do you, how are the interests and incentives of these groups different and govern? And like, how do you keep all these different groups engaged? Then it all comes back to the community treasury. I think that there is one place that everyone has a shared incentive to grow. I think for most of these communities, that is a treasury or an on-chain address that's holding all of the most valuable assets in that community. So typically, what you'll see is a treasury holds tokens. So for example, FWB tokens, it might hold USDC, which is being used to pay contributors. Then it might also hold more risky bets. So things like ETH or other community projects that they've swapped with. But I would say everyone is aligned to make the value of that treasury grow. And outside of that, I think each of the stakeholder groups are doing different things to grow the value of that treasury in very unique ways. So for example, founders are most importantly trying to hire people to build the community. I think investors are there to seed working capital to actually hire contributors. And I think community leaders are there to organize and coordinate amongst those core contributors. So as these DAOs start to grow, you see that there are dozens of different working groups. And these teams often start to resemble startups where there's different departments and divisions. But what you need is someone in the center of it that's able to aggregate all that information and attention to make sure that everyone's on the same page. DAOs typically don't have offices. There's nowhere in person where you can go knock on your friend's desk and ask them what they're working on. You know, a lot of this is happening in very siloed communication channels on Discord. You know, typically emails aren't really a thing in DAOs. And so I think you need people that are responsible for information aggregation just to make sure that everyone feels like they're on the same page and everyone is building with the same timelines in mind. 100%. One of the biggest challenges, I think, for Discord is information architecture and aggregation. And when you don't have something like email, it's a fire hose to jump into for sure. All right, awesome. We're at time. I want to close with just your Twitter-sized vision for where, if everything goes perfectly, where do you want to see the world of Web3 be five years from right now? Tiffany, I'm going to make you go first. Wow. Put you on the spot. Five years from now. I didn't you now. for this question. So. Five years from now, I see a world where... Creators are able to get paid what they're worth and capture long-term upside. People who are early fans and members within communities, whether you are, say, early fan of X, Y, and Z pop artists or whoever it is, 3D artist, digital artist, musician, can range from really any sort of type of creator, right? If you're an early supporter, you're also able to capture upside. And so I see a world where all of these current Web2 creators and Fans who will now become Web3 community builders and collectors. That is the transition that I see. That's what I hope to see in, in five years. Love it. All right. Tiffany gave us a Twitter thread on the vision. I love the vision. Cooper, what's your I believe vision? that we are, we are in the MySpace era of crypto right now. I think in five years, the Facebook, Instagram, and Twitters of the world will be created, but they have not been created yet. I think what that looks like in practice is you're able to work on what you love and get paid in the process. And social capital is directly able to be correlated to a financial asset. Love it. So if we're in the MySpace phase, does that make you Tom? Guess we'll find out. (laughs) Awesome. And lastly, where can people go to continue to learn from you? You mentioned a couple things that you're offering through this chat, but where should people go to continue to learn from you and follow you? Best place for me would be on Twitter at Koopa Troopa and then on Discord at Koopa Troopa number 9799. Mine would be my Twitter, twitter.com slash tzong with two Gs or gm.academy. And I will see you all there. Love it. Cooper, Tiffany, I really enjoyed this chat. I feel like I could do this for hours. Hopefully we'll have another chance to do it again soon. I really appreciate you taking the time to shepherd in the new generation of community builders into Web3 and for sharing all your wisdom today. Thank you for having us. 
Thank you so much, man. This is great. Talk soon, guys. The Masters of Community is brought to you by CMX, the world's largest network of community professionals, and Bevy, the enterprise platform powering communities for the world's leading brands. This episode was edited and produced by Finesse Media. Music was provided by Seiji Cataldo, and design was provided by Virginia DeMarco. If you enjoyed this episode, please drop us a review in iTunes. It's a huge help for helping us get this podcast in front of more people. We really, really appreciate it. And share it with your networks. The more people that learn about the power of community, the better. We have a new episode every week. So until then, thank you so much for listening and see you next time.